Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. How many of you guys are like completely excited to be in the house of God? What a great place to be this morning. Let's get excited. Let's get excited about our faith. Let's get excited about church. Let's get excited about Jesus and, and what he's doing personally within us. But, but what he's doing in this world, we can look at this world through, through those droopy glasses and say it's totally falling apart, which it is, and that's scripture. But we can also look at this world and say, man, Jesus is on the move. People are getting touched by Jesus. People are coming to Jesus. That's that's what we get excited about. We don't let the world dictate to us how we're going to feel because Jesus tells us, man, we're free and we are to be excited in Him and in His Word. Amen? Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so glad to be in your house this morning, Lord God. We sing, we worship, we praise you, and that's just the beginning, Lord God. As we explore your word today, as we talk about grace today, Lord God, open up our hearts. Open up our hearts. Help us to surrender all that baggage that we brought in here. Open up our ears so that we can hear your word that it goes to the depths of our soul. Open up our minds so that we can process this and we can begin to implement your word into our life. What an exciting day. What an exciting time to be alive for you, Jesus. Help us to be a proper representation of who you are into this lost and dying world. So this morning, Lord, speak to each of us individually. Holy Spirit, you have full rule and reign here today. And Lord God, we're just going to sit back. We're going to glorify you. We're going to learn from your word. We're going to challenge ourselves. And then we're going to step out and step up to this challenge that you have laid before us. Jesus, we pray this in your powerful and your mighty name. It's the name that's above all names. It's the name that's above all kingdoms and powers and principalities. It's above all governments. It's above all, all false religions. Lord, it's your name that is above all names. So we pray everything. We give it to you, Jesus. And if you agree with that, how about you all just shout out one more amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Man, we're, we're, we're in it today, man. We are, we are fully engaged. We are ready. It's fun to praise God together, isn't it? It's always so much fun. Uh, kids, kids, I'm going to dismiss you right away. You guys run on down. It's going to be an awesome time downstairs, like I always say. Parents, grandparents, ask your kids what they did in kids' church today, because you're going to learn a lot. And then tell them what you learned in church today. Um, in a way that they can completely understand and engage in all of that. Thank you, worship team. You guys did awesome today. A couple quick announcements. 
I have to correct an, an announcement that is in the bulletin and it was in the email because I put the wrong date. It is, we're going to do another worship, prayer, and healing night. Um, I wanted to keep it the third Friday, but actually um, CMA, Christian Motorcycle Association, will be using our building for their rally. Going to have a bunch of burly bikers that love Jesus here on that Friday and Saturday. Probably we'll have some Sunday, but they're going really late that first night. So I said, we'll just kick our prayer night back. So instead of what the bulletin says, it will be the 24th at 7 p.m. If you didn't come to the last one, make sure you come to this one. It's a great time, man. People people get touched. People get, man, we saw some healings. It was amazing. And, and, and actually what we saw on Friday night flowed over into sad Sunday um, morning. And we saw some healings on Sunday morning. I just think people... Man, they got a dose of God. They got set free. They drew closer. It's a great time. So mark your calendars for that. And really the only other announcement I'm going to give is uh, we're going to do another Church 101. Um, Church 101 is, is the class class you have to take to become a member here. And really it's to help you guys understand what we believe as an Assemblies of God church, what our mission of this church is, why it's important to be a member, what membership looks like. So if you are not a member or you are a member and you just want to be refreshed on this stuff, there's a sign up in the foyer. Sign up on that when we have people signed up. We'll, we'll figure out a time that's best. Maybe we'll do it after um, a Sunday service or maybe we'll do it on a, on a weeknight. Um, we're going to try to get through everything in one shot. So it'll be a little bit of a lengthy class, but what I will do if you sign up, I will send you all the material beforehand so you can read through it and then you can bring questions and we can just talk about all that stuff. Amen. How many of you guys are a member? How many of you guys remember? How many of you guys want to be a member? So if you're, if you're in any of those and you feel like, hey, I want to do Church 101, um, Church 101 started when we got here. So if you were a member before we got here and you're like, I don't even quite know what the church believes, even though I've been a member for 10 years or whatever, um, sign up and take it. It'll, be, it'll just be a great time. Uh, that's it for announcements, really. Um, there's more in your bulletin. Look at that. Everything else should be correct. This one was just or uh, the prayer night was just a little off. Four ways to give like always, right? We all know that. Four ways to give. Online, bridgehelena.com, text, giving boxes, mail it to 725 Granite. Best way to do is get it through the app. If you don't have the app yet, get the app. You can get to all sorts of things we give once again. Because God asks us to give, right? It's yielding to, to his um, guidance. Um, it's us being obedient and saying, God, I want you the, the Lord of my life, and that is my entire life, not just parts of my life, which sometimes we can kind of, anybody guilty of that saying, God, you know, I want you to be the Lord of my life, except for here, I'll handle that, or except for here, I'll handle that. A lot of times it's our finances, so God graciously gave us this idea of giving and tithing and giving offerings and stuff to allow us and to help us just give it to him, Amen. All right, let's get rolling with this message today. Super excited about it. Let's pray first. Father, once again, we're glad to be in your house today. Lord, God, I pray that you do challenge us, Lord. We open ourselves up 
to your challenging and your conviction because that's the only way that we learn. That's the only way that we change. So, Lord God, we, we submit to that and we, we ask for that today. Holy Spirit, I ask that, that what, whatever you have for me to say today, let me say that, let me articulate that well, let me represent you properly, and Lord, if you don't want me to say it, if it's not of you, just shut my mouth, tangle my tongue, do all of those things. Like I always pray, Holy Spirit, don't let anybody leave here, leave this building, walk through those doors the same way that they came in. Lord God, because we want to be transformed. We want to be made a little bit more like you. Once again, we pray this in your name, Jesus. And everyone said, all right. So I want to start off by saying that today's message, this is actually a message I've had since October. I haven't had it all written out, but, but I had the gist of this message since October. And God's just been saying, wait, wait, wait. And I've been saying, but I don't want to wait he said, to wait just a little longer. And, and finally, it was like, okay, here's the time to, to preach this message. But I want you to know that this message and, and next week's message, they go together. It's, it's like, this is, you remember the, the old TV shows where you, they were on once a week, right? There was no streaming. You had to wait and then, and then it'd build up and, and then say to be continued and you have to wait till next week. That's, that's kind of what we're doing. It's, it's going together. So I want you to treat today's message and next week's message really as two halves of, of one whole because they will go together. Uh, did today's title get your attention at all? I hope so because when God took me through this process, when he showed me this, boy, it sure got my attention. So I think we need to start here today with a definition so that we're all on the same page and then we'll go from there. So let's let we're going to talk about grace today obviously. Let's look at let's look at what grace is. Grace in the Christian theology is the spontaneous unmerited gift of the divine favor in the salvation of sinners and the divine influence operating in individuals for their regeneration and sanctification. There will be a test later. So I, I expect each one of you to memorize exactly what this says. Aren't you glad that we don't have to do that? I sure am. Because most of the time we simply say this. We say that grace is the unmerited gift and favor of God. That's what it is, right? And as a gift, it is one that I don't deserve. I don't deserve grace, and it's one that I can't earn. I cannot earn grace. See, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? And it actually brings us back to a verse we used last week in Ephesians 2. It's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It says this out of the English Standard Version. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I want to also check out the amplified version. It's, it's more depth, right? It says this, For it is by grace God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of your, yourselves, not through your own effort, but it is the undeserved, gracious gift of God. Not as a result of your works, nor your attempts to keep the law, so that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for his salvation. 
Again, that's pretty good stuff. That's pretty basic stuff to, to a Christian, somebody who's been a Christian for a little bit, somebody who reads their Bible, somebody who comes to church. We're pretty sure that, that we have this, this, this concept of what, of what grace is. Now, now, this is interesting. I find this very interesting. In, in the Greek, in the Greek, the word for grace has a connotation of joy, pleasure, kindness, and life. See, sometimes we, we overuse grace, right? And we kind of can sometimes lose the meaning of grace, but when we come back to the original Greek, we know it's joy, pleasure, kindness, and life. It has that connotation. So the gift of the Father gives us or extends to us, it is out of his joy. It is out of his pleasure. It's out of his kindness, and it's out of his life. And he offers this freely, to all mankind at the expense of his son's sacrificial death. Look at John 1.16. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Just like the song this morning, grace is truly amazing. However, inherently, there is a problem with grace. Oh, heresy! I'm getting ready to walk out of here. Pastor starts talking about what's something wrong with grace. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. Just bear with me. Now we must understand that because grace is from God and God alone, that grace is perfect. And I'm talking perfect in an absolute sense. We use perfect all the time. Oh, that was so perfect, was it? Was that really that perfect? No, it wasn't that perfect. Grace is perfect in an absolute sense because grace is from God. Therefore, it can't be anything but perfect. So I guess there cannot be a problem with grace itself. So I guess the problem has to be with us. See, we as humans, with our limited wisdom and our overactive brains, can have a problem with grace. But knowing what grace actually is, wouldn't it be crazy to take issue with grace? I would say absolutely, yet we do it. So let's look at why we can have a problem with grace, and let's bring it to Jesus and let's get some freedom in our lives here. Now we know that grace, that God offers us grace, the unmerited gift and salvation for the forgiveness of sins, and that this same grace empowers us to live a life of divine influence operating in us for our regeneration as well as our sanctification. And sanctification is just a big fancy word that means simply becoming more like Jesus on a daily basis. So even though we know this, our human nature can get in here and try to mess things all up. One of the biggest problems we can have with grace is a misplaced burden of unworthiness. Now understand, we are definitely unworthy of God's grace. And that is what makes it such an amazing gift. However, 
We can fall into the enemy's trap of this self-condemnation, and really we distort our view of grace itself. This has held far too many Christians in bondage for far too long. And it, and, and it looms in all of us. It really does. Don't try to think you're exempt here because it looms in all of us to some degree. And it's usually influenced by past experiences, um, things that we have done, current fears, all of those things. Here's the biggest lie with allowing self-condemnation into your thought process. If you condemn yourself, then maybe you can also redeem yourself, which leads to a works-based theology. And if we're not careful in our own lives, any of us in here today, any of us listening today can fall into this trap of works. Oddly enough, a works-based theology is exactly what separates Christ and true Christianity from all other religions and ideologies and philosophies. And a self-condemning, self-redeeming theology is really what all other religions are based on. In Islam, on the day of judgment, if a Muslim's good works outweighs his bad ones, and if Allah so wills, he may be forgiven of all his sins and then enter into paradise. See, he has to work a whole lot. He's got to do a whole lot of things. Hindus strive to do well in life by works to end the cycle of rebirth or reincarnation, achieving what is known as moksha. It's karma, man. It's karma. Be good and good will come back. Be bad and bad will come back. See, it's all works. Buddhism has a moral, ethical, and philosophical system that allows for many good works with the intention of attaining nirvana as its ultimate goal. The Mormons believe Jesus freely gives them what's called a ladder to heaven, but then they must climb that ladder on their own through their works. In Roman Catholicism, God's grace is infused into a believer that enables him to do good works by which he is then judged for salvation. Works-based religions boil down to a belief that I have to do more because Jesus didn't do enough. See, their motivation is earning their place in whatever eternity they believe in. And that means their salvation is based upon their own ability and their own effort. And remember, no one is exempt from allowing this, this false thinking into their life. I think we have all probably struggled in one way or another with this. See, the only answer is to truly and genuinely accept the grace the Father is extending. And that brings us to another reason that we can have a problem with grace. It's because salvation by work seems right in the eyes of man. It seems right. It makes sense to us, right? We have to, we have to earn, earn everything else, don't we? We have to do things to, to, to get other things in our life. See, mankind has a basic desire to be in control. 
We want to be in control of our own future. And that includes our redemption and our eternal destiny. There's a lot of lack of trust in that kind of viewpoint. See, salvation by works appeals to man's pride and it seeks to satisfy his desire to be the one in charge. Don't you want to be the one in charge? You want to be in charge of everything, right? We're not going to let anybody rule over us. No, government can't tell me this, Second Amendment, all these different things. Boy, we are going to be in charge. The problem is in our Christian faith, that can bubble over. And we start thinking, oh, Instead of God making me in his image, I think I'll just kind of make God in, in my own image. God, this is who I believe God to be, and this is, this is what I think needs to happen. It's this whole works-based theology that is the motive behind door knockers and homicide bombers. It's works. Again, this is what sets Christ in Christianity apart. Let's look at Romans 5, 7 through 10. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Amen. See, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Grace makes available the very means of salvation far before we even know we need it. Now, listen to this. Grace has already completed what those who chase works aspire to. We got to understand that because God is God. He alone is sovereign and he alone is righteous. And by his standard and his judgment, the penalty of sin is death. The penalty of sin is always death. It can't be anything else. Now, even if we were not born under the curse of sin and therefore death because of Adam and Eve, which we are, but even though if we were not, we would still be under the penalty of sin because let me tell you, each one of us would sin. We can't help it. Romans 3. 21 through 25, but now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law. Although the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put for, forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over former sins. See, no matter how good you are, no matter how many good deeds you do, no matter how hard 
you try, you still sin. And that makes you a sinner. And no matter what you do, by your own ability, you cannot separate yourself from that sin. Not by works, not by ability. That is why the law of the Old Testament was incomplete. And that is why Jesus is the only solution. And that is why we needed a new covenant. Look at Romans 6, 14. For sin will no longer be a master over you since you are not under law as slaves, but under unmerited grace as recipients of God's favor and mercy. Amen, right? So what this does is this puts us all on the same playing field. Everybody in here, everybody in the world, we're all on the same playing field. From those sins that we feel are just itty-bitty, tiny little, non-relevant sins, right? To the most disgraceful and, and vile sins. See, they all carry the same penalty. And that penalty is death. But that right there rubs us wrong, doesn't it? Doesn't that rub us wrong? It does. Be honest. How could God treat all sins equally? That can't be right, at least in my humanistic opinion of justice. That's because we have a classification system of, of the severity of rights and wrongs, the severity of sins. And that leads to a works-based or merit-based theology. And that right here, this right here is, is why we, even as Christians, can have a problem with grace. This problem with grace then leads to an issue with the acceptance of the gift that we call grace, which came at the expense, the, the, the bloody and brutal expense of Christ's death. See, grace is the most expensive gift that can ever be given. If I pollute God's grace in any way, especially with a works-based ideology, for whatever reason, what I'm actually doing is refusing the full gift that God is extending to me through the death of his son. Don't do that. As hard as it is, we got to refuse this works-based theology, this, this sin classification. Well, at least I'm not as bad as that, or look how much better I am. Look at what I have done. Look at what I didn't do. we got to throw all that out of there because all that does is pollute the true gift of grace. Romans eleven six. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would be no longer grace. So if we accept works, if we pursue works, then grace is no longer grace. Now, personally, we can have a problem with grace. That has everything to do with self-condemnation and pride and thinking that God could never fully forgive me because of all those terrible past sins can have a problem there personally but I can also have a public problem I can have a public problem with grace and you guys know what I'm talking about here it comes with a seemingly innocent question 
It's a discussion that we like to have. Do you think everyone can be saved? Do you really think everyone can be saved? Because again, our human desire for justice, we don't want to believe that the Hitlers and the Bin Ladens and the murderers and the rapists could be extended the same grace that, that we as proper church-going Christians have, especially on a Sunday morning. But that's a works-based question. That's not a grace-based question. In essence, the question is displaying an uncertainty that the blood of Christ was complete. And if it was not complete, then Scripture is deceiving And more importantly, the author of Scripture is a liar. In which case, works would be as useless as grace. But God is not a liar. The blood of Christ is complete. Salvation is given by grace alone. And the grace, the wonderful, amazing grace is offered to all. The grace is offered to me. It's offered to you. It's offered to our neighbors. It's offered to, to the people of this community. It's offered to the, to, the, to the worst people of this community. That same grace is offered to that person. And you know what else? That same grace is offered to the best person in this community. See, God doesn't, God doesn't classify us. He doesn't classify our sins. He doesn't, he doesn't judge us according um, um, to our last name or the color of our skin or anything like that. God sees his creation, his fallen creation in need of a savior. And he says, I freely give it to all of mankind. See, we got to get that through our brains. And I think we do a a pretty good job of that here at at Bridge because it doesn't matter who walks through those doors. I am confident that that whoever walks through those doors, they are going to be welcomed. They are going to be cared for. They are going to be made to, to feel like they belong. And once they find Jesus, then they really do come in and in belong, right? Amen. So we do a pretty good job of that, but we, we have to be careful in our personal lives to not chase down a, a works-based theology. And, and, and we got to be careful not to put a works-based theology on other people, which is very easy to do. Look at Titus chapter 2. This is 11 through 14. This is such a great passage. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live life self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Boy, that's a hard one. In this present age. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us in redemption to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. See, it's all about grace. It's all about grace. It's about that very grace that is freely given and that same grace 
is always more than enough. It's enough to redeem me from my sins. It's enough to bring me into relationship with Jesus. And it's enough to empower me to overcome those things that come against me. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? See, Paul says it right in in 2 Corinthians 12.9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Amen. Amen. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you're caught up in. It doesn't matter how good you are, how bad you are, or anything. His grace is sufficient for you. For my body, for my power is made perfect in his weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Isn't that like the epitome of humility right there? It's like, man, there is nothing I can do. There is absolutely nothing I can do. But it's okay because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's his grace that overshadows all my mistakes. It overshadows all my past sins. It gets rid of those things. So if I rest in his grace, it is sufficient for me. It is perfect. And in fact, it is made perfect in my weakness. We are weak. He is strong. In my weakness, He passes his strength on to me. What does that mean? Should we be strong or should we be weak in this world? We need to be weak in this world so that his perfect grace can come upon us because it is sufficient, not by my will, but by his grace, not by my power, not by my ability, not by my works, But by Christ alone am I saved. By Christ alone I have victory over sin and death. By Christ alone I live apart from this world as I am compelled by that very grace to live in Christ. Therefore, I will boast all the more. Boast all the more. And I'll do it gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I truly believe that is our goal. That is our desire. But the enemy can come in and he can begin to twist those things. See, we can have self-condemnation and self-condemnation is a lie of the enemy, but the enemy speaks to us too, doesn't he? Sometimes he speaks to it really loudly on Sunday mornings. You shouldn't go to church. You don't belong in church. Those people don't really like you there. Look at your sin. Look at how much greater your sin. Remember this part of your past. Have you forgotten this part of your past? And and he whispers those things, but that self-condemnation enters in. And then we think, well, I have to do things. I I have talked to enough people that have said, I'll invite them to church. But the reason they won't come to church is they simply say, well, I have some things I need to take care of first before I come to church. I'll come to Jesus, but there's some things in my life that I gotta, that I gotta um, take care of first. What is that? That's works-based, isn't it? Grace-based means you bring it all. Bring your junk, bring your trash, bring your garbage, bring your sin, and lay it at the foot of the cross. 
and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. 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 We are going to come together this morning in a time of communion. And it's a great thing, and it's a great... Um, I just I, I knew communion had to be tied in with this message. Now let me talk about communion really quickly. Communion is a celebration. It's 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 Jesus. Um, it was Passover time, and 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 he had his guys around him, and, and he said, "Hey, find an upper room. We're going to do Passover there." And and we must remember that in the Jewish culture, that that Passover was done very very orderly. Right from year to year, they did it the same way. So we have the disciples and and even Jesus, and 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 they were used to hearing it the same way. It's like, yeah, we heard this message. We've known this. We have this message memorized. We know we know what Passover is. We can recite it word for word because it's it's done the exact same way. And and Jesus, he he does something totally different. He changes history. Through his words and, and through his, his, uh, how he does things, he, he was basically saying, hey, there's a new covenant coming. It's a new covenant in my blood. And it's going to change absolutely everything. Grace is going to be made available to the world, to the ends of this world. And those, those, those disciples, they must have been thinking, man, why is he saying that? Does, does he not understand he's supposed to be doing it this way? But the problem is, is that way wasn't working. That way could never work. Because the law always fell short because we can't, we can't live up to the law because of our sin nature. So the new covenant comes in, and with the new covenant comes grace. And I pray that each one of us in here truly accept that grace in this church we serve an open communion and what that means is is that if you if you have given your life to jesus if you are a born-again believer then you're welcome to take communion we don't require a membership we don't we don't require any type of works. we don't require anything we just ask you to be a follower of jesus if you're sitting in here saying, well, gosh, am I? Have I truly accepted his grace? Do I truly understand what that means? Well, well, we're going to have a little bit of a time here before we actually take communion. And we're going to worship again. But this is a time where you can get before God and, and make that happen. If you want to give your life to Jesus this morning, give your life to Jesus this morning. If you want to rededicate your life, if you've been away a little bit, rededicate your life this morning. If you just want to affirm that, as we all should, this morning is the morning to do it. If you're carrying any sin right now, right? Unresolved sin, unre if you're unrepentant of any sin, as you get in line as we're worshiping, give before God. Use these altars. Come to these altars. Get before God and just make things right because we don't want to take communion in an unworthy manner. Amen? Amen. The worship team, if you guys would come up here. Remember, communion is our declaration that it's all, in fact, about Jesus. So if you want to declare this morning that it is, in fact, all about Jesus,
I invite you to do those things I already talked about. Get with God. Confess um, um, sin that you've been carrying around. If you've got bondage, if you're fearful right now, whatever it is, lay it at the altar. If you want to come to Jesus, if you want to rededicate yourself to Jesus, let's do it this morning. Let's get things right this morning as we go back into this song, Amazing Grace. Really listen to the words. Listen to what is going on. The freedom that can occur because of the grace that he has extended to you is truly amazing. I'm going to pray. We're going to, we're going to go back into this song. We're going to open up the, the elements. If you get your elements, get your juice, get your bread, save them though. Take them back to your seat, save them, and, and we'll come back together and we'll all partake in that together. Father, thank you for the challenge. Thank you for the stretching, Lord Jesus. Thank you for for calling us to something is far greater than anything that I could do on my own. It's far greater than anything that I could try to earn. Lord, your grace is sufficient. Your grace is beautiful. Your grace is complete. Lord God, help us to understand that and implement that into our lives. Help us to resist a works-based theology either in, in our own selves, but also placing that burden that unattainable, unrealistic burden on people that are around us. Lord, your grace is sufficient. Through your sacrifice on the cross, we are coming to that very cross, and we are declaring that it is in fact all about you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. And everyone said, Amen. Let's worship. Seemingly, kids' song has some pretty good theology, isn't it? Uh, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It does. It's that simple, isn't it? Grace is simple, yet we make it so complex. Coming to Jesus is so simple. Yet because of our sin nature and the burdens that we place upon ourselves, our self-condemnation, our pride, our fear, we make it incredibly tough. See, aren't you glad that Jesus made it so easy? It was God's plan. All these other false religions, it's like you can never do enough. You can never be enough. You just can't. It's the failure of false religion. The only true, the only true reality is grace. Grace covers all. Grace abounds. Grace is the undeserved gift of Jesus' sacrifice upon the cross. And communion. Communion is that declaration that we, in fact, make it all about Jesus. So communion, as we go through communion, we have to understand that, that these are simply symbols. They don't, they don't become the, the body of, of Jesus. They don't become Jesus. But what it symbolizes is 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 very important and very, very great, right? The bread is all about the, the sacrifice that Jesus made, that his body was broken, it was torn apart, it was beaten. The blood represents, or the, the, the juice represents the blood. And we know that, that the penalty of sin requires a sacrificial death, doesn't it? And the incomplete law, they were trying to, to, to um, appease that through the, the death of animals. The, the fact that Adam and Eve, that, that the father had to come down and kill an animal 
and cover their nakedness. There had to be a sacrifice. No longer do we have to make sacrifices because Jesus made that ultimate sacrifice. The juice represents his blood and his blood testifies to the new covenant that we're under. What, a, what an amazing, complete process, isn't it? People in the sound booth, did you guys get elements? Are you guys good to go? Okay, is everybody served that needs to be served? Amen. First Corinthians 11, Paul, Paul is helping the Corinthian church get back to the true meaning of communion. He's helping that church, a church that had gone askew, that, that had a lot of problems, a lot of troubles in it, that were operating with works. They were operating in their fear and their pride and their lust and their sin. And, and Paul's pulling them back. Well, in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26, he says this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. See, it's, it's symbolic that he broke it because it was showing that his body was in fact broken for you. That's the cost. That's one of the costs of this, this sacrifice. It's the cost of grace was, was that his body was broken for each one of us. Father God, we thank you for your plan. We thank you that Jesus fulfilled that plan. And, and how hard would that be? Lord God, we can't even comprehend what he actually did. The sin that he took upon himself, the sin of all time, all mankind, the fallen world itself. He took that upon him and, and it broke him. And they beat him. And they chastened him. They made fun of him. But Father, he did that for each one of us and we are truly thankful for your son. We're thankful that you made a way where there was no way in order that we may have relationship with you, Father. If you believe that, take, take your bread now. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. We are proclaiming the Lord's death, that sacrificial death for each one of us that brought the new covenant and the new grace. We proclaim that until he comes again. Jesus is coming back, guys. Jesus is coming back. We need to be looking for it. We don't have to concern our time, ourselves with the exact date and times. We watch the seasons, but we need to understand that Jesus is coming back. What will Jesus find when he comes back? Will he find a workspace theology consuming your life? Or will he find humility and surrender? We proclaim the new covenant through this blood. Father, once again, the sacrifice giving your son from the heavenly realm to the earthly realm. Can't comprehend what that would have looked like to watch your son be spit upon, betrayed and beaten. Lord God, as a father, I, I, I can't comprehend how you 
how you didn't do anything. But it was because you had a greater plan. You had a greater desire. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Lord God, that death upon the cross, all sin going on to him, Lord God, that momentary separation. Lord God, help us to understand that because that in itself is the price of grace. Help us not to disregard grace. Help us not to to make grace into something that it isn't. Lord God, self-condemnation or hyper-grace, they're both bad theologies. Help us to look to your book and the leading of your Holy Spirit to truly understand the depth and the beauty of your grace. That we take this cup as we proclaim that Jesus is coming back, but his grace is available right now. Go ahead and take your juice. Father God, thank you so much that we as a body of believers can come together and that we can celebrate this thing that we call communion together. Lord God, as we leave here today, let us let us just encourage one another. Let us edify one another. But Lord God, most of all, let us glorify you. Lord God, once again, with your training and your teaching, we are now exposed to the dangers of a works-based theology. Help us to resist that. Lord God, remind us every time we try to enter into that. Give us a little pullback. Give us a little nudge that we may understand because the last thing we want to do is disrespect your grace. Jesus, we pray this in your name. We proclaim it in your name and we look forward to your return. Jesus, it's all about you. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. We're going to do another song. This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com. And we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.